good to see you, Hope. It's good to be with you again this weekend. We're in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 18, and so I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles. Go ahead, if you have a copy of God's Word, get to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. And, and, and here it is, as you can see on the screen behind me and in your notes, that we're talking about living without grumbling. Oh, it hits deep. Trust me, as I've been preparing for this message all week, I have caught myself continually grumbling. Grumbling in every which way and catching myself as I grumble about how I grumble. And uh, so much to learn. But God is good. His grace is sufficient for us. Um, but we need to move away from living with grumbling and learn how to live without grumbling in Jesus Christ to be free from this life-ruining, mission-killing, fruit-destroying, and sinful and sad way to live. Grumbling. It kills us. Grumbling. It infiltrates a home and a church, and it spreads like gangrene. Grumbling. It's something our flesh loves, but we cannot have this attitude. We must fight to kill grumbling in our lives and be the children of God that God has made us in Jesus Christ. So why don't we stand together and together read aloud Philippians 2, 14 to 18. Can you read it with me? Philippians 2, 14 to 18 says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured... Oops, I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and would rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, I do pray that we would be ones who hold fast to the word of life. Lord, that we would not look like this twisted and crooked generation, God, but we would be children of God. Lord, I thank you for your grace, Lord. Would your Holy Spirit fill this place now, God, illuminate our, the eyes of our hearts to understand and see your scripture. Lord, thank you for your grace and the mercy that you've poured out to us, Lord. We are so undeserving, God, but we want more. We want more, Lord. We want to see more of your glory. We want to live more for you. And so, God, would you allow this through your spirit, Lord. Bear fruit in us, I pray. Let us be a people who are not grumbling, God, but do all things with gladness and in rejoicing. Lord, teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So because of the way this text is set up, we're actually going to have maybe the longest introduction to a sermon ever, all right? And then have three points of application near the end. So the points in your sermon, they'll come at the end, and the introduction really is the bulk of the sermon, but that's just the way the text is set up. He tells us an instruction right at the beginning, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So he gives us instruction, and then he tells us who we are because of Christ, 
what we should look like, our attributes that are within us because of who we are. He says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemishing, uh, sorry, without bl- blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So this is who we are. These are the attributes that we have. It looks like not grumbling. And then he gives us three things that we do where we shine like light in the world. We hold fast to the word of faith and we rejoice and we are glad even through suffering. And so we'll get to that, but first we have to talk about what grumbling is and what this disputing is. He says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. We need to understand what these things are. He says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation. See, grumbling is the opposite of who Jesus is. Having a grumbling attitude is really the opposite of what we are called to do. Paul says, in all things... Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Everything we do must be free from grumbling. There must be no grumbling amongst us. Everything we do must be free from disputing. Well, what is grumbling and what is disputing? Grumbling is murmuring, as it's translated in other translations as well. It's this half-hearted, under-your-breath complaint Doing something you've been asked to do, but not being happy about it. Whispering under your breath, oh, I don't want to do this, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, as I was studying this, I started to laugh a little bit, because I don't know if you grew up watching, watching cartoons, but every Saturday morning, me and my brothers would watch Looney Tunes, and I loved Bugs Bunny. And do you remember Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam? Do you remember Yosemite Sam, the most rootin' tootin' cowboy in the northeast, west, and south? And he hated Bugs Bunny, didn't he? Right? And, and he would come out and he would grumble, literally. I mean, he is, the, he is the cartoon personification of what it is to grumble. Rootin' tootin', rootin', 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 rootin' all the time. And what it would lead to, it would just lead to his demise and further misery, wouldn't it? Always grumbling, always complaining, trying to trick the rabbit, but then just hurting himself. Grumble, grumble, grumble. You see, no one likes to be around a person who is constantly grumbling, do you? They suck the energy right out of a room. Grumbling is the worst. It makes a 10-minute conversation with someone who is constantly grumbling seem like hours of torture. It's miserable. But we don't always realize when we're grumbling, do we? And this week I told you I keep catching myself grumbling. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm complaining all the time. It's so quick. It's so easy for me to grumble. It's, It's what my flesh so desperately wants to do. We don't realize it because it's natural to our fallen flesh to grumble and to complain. It's our first instinct. But how destructive it is for our souls. Grumbling comes from and at its root is just extreme and deep selfishness. Oh, we must be careful when we catch ourselves grumbling. There's never an excuse for it, and it it automatically means we're in the wrong. The minute we start grumbling, it automatically means we're sinning. It automatically means we're in the wrong. It means we are looking at the situation without humility. We're counting ourselves as more significant than others. We grumble. 
We grumble. When we grumble because things don't go the way we want them to go, it's all about us. We grumble, we grumble, we grumble. We say, that's not my preference. Those aren't my needs. Those aren't my wants. Those aren't my desires. Grumble, grumble, grumble. We grumble because we don't get our way. And we go against the very very teaching of Christ who died for us and called us to be like himself. This is what... Philippians 1 through, or chapter 2, 1 through 11 is dedicated to. Speaking about the example of Christ and his humility, that he counted others more significant than himself and that we are to do the same. How do we do that? We don't grumble. We don't grumble. We are to be blameless. We are to be innocent. We are to be children of God without blemish. This is what we should look like. And if you want to look like the child of God that Jesus Christ has made you, then there's no place for grumbling. When we grumble, you know who we look like? We look a lot like this world. Look at the text. Look at the text. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know who's always grumbling? The world. You know who's always grumbling? The soul that has not been redeemed by Jesus Christ. That who, that's who is grumbling, but not us, church, not us. We are not people who are called to grumbling. We're called to rejoice. We're called to be obedient to Christ and serve like Christ did and to do all things without grumbling. When we grumble in our own lives, how wretched of a smell it is to the Lord. For we are called, we are called to be thankful in all circumstances as 1 Thessalonians 5.18 would say. You see, God detests grumbling amongst his people. He always has. He always has. He can't stand it when his people, who are so blessed and called by his name, grumble. In the Old Testament, in Numbers 11, verses 1 and 2, it's a stern reminder to us about grumbling and complaining. It says this, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. You see, believer in Christ, be thankful that every time you grumble, standing between us and our grumbling spirit and the wrath of God is Jesus Christ. Be thankful that you've been saved by Jesus Christ and his blood pours over you and sanctifies you and gives you his righteousness so that God won't see our grumbling heart in this way. But church, we, we can't continue in grumbling. We can't continue in grumbling. This is no way for the people of God to act. We are to rejoice for we have been saved. We are to live in the peace of God in every situation. So that's grumbling. What's disputing? What's it talking about here? He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. We can see the grumbling. It's this obvious external complaint, murmuring, um, grumble, grumble, grumble. We see it. We've all done it. We understand it. But what is this disputing? We've got to carefully look at it. The Greek word is actually um, the word for reasoning or thought or debate. But it's an eternal debate. 
It's inside yourself, and it's an internal debate, and it, it has to be, it could be translated uh, an evil thought. Uh, do not grumble or have evil thought, but it's an evil thought towards the Lord, and so they translate it disputing. It's this, it's this disputing with God about your current situation. Grumbling, of course, is external. We, we murmur, we grumble, I don't want to do that. Oh, how could this happen again? Oh, I wish I wasn't here. Why am I in this situation? But disputing is, is really from the heart and talking to God and saying, God, I don't deserve this. Why have you put me here? Why is this happening to me? God, look, this is what I deserve. I shouldn't get this. I shouldn't get that. I deserve more. I deserve better. This is what I should be getting. Why don't I get what he's getting over there? This is when we've begun to dispute, but we must do all things in life and work through every situation in our lives without grumbling or disputing, knowing that God is working all things together for our good, knowing that God is in control. When we grumble, we, we really laugh in the face of God as if he's not in control of our very next breath. We become like Jonah who is called to serve and proclaim but decide to run and hide and disagree with God's plan for our lives. He even grumbled after the Lord saved so many. Why? Because the human heart loves to grumble. Grumble, grumble, grumble. We grumble and dispute about serving one another. Disputing with God about our lives is just, it's just completely and painfully selfish. And it has no place within the Christian community. Doesn't Paul say here, do all things without grumbling? All things, all things. And you could say, well, there's big things I shouldn't do, right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't grumble about my family or my wife or my kids. I shouldn't grumble about these things. But what about little things, right? No, he says all things. He says all things. Do not grumble in all things. Do all things without grumbling, even small things. I caught myself even today, just today, I had to go upstairs to grab something and then I realized, oh, I left it downstairs. I started to grumble. I have to go all the way downstairs, okay. Then I come back upstairs, I forgot something else. And I had to grumble again and go downstairs and grab the next thing I needed and all of a sudden the Lord just hit me. Daniel, why are you grumbling about walking up and down stairs? It's like, yeah, but this is such a small thing, it shouldn't matter. No, 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 what does the text say? It says, do all things without grumbling. All things, why? Why? Why does even me, by myself, walking up and down my stairs in my sinful heart, as I complain and I grumble because I've forgotten something, why? Why? Because when I grumble in the small things, I slowly harden my heart to grumble about everything else. When I let a little bit of grumbling into my life, it makes it easy to start grumbling about everything else the Lord would have me do. We must do all things without grumbling. We must be thankful in all circumstances. I've been learning a lot about myself lately and just worship and love for one another. These last few weeks since we've started to regather have just been so enlightening for me personally. You see, I think this would have been a really easy time for us to start grumbling as a church. It's a really easy thing to do. Oh, what? we can't sing? Grumble, grumble, grumble. We have to wear masks? Grumble, grumble, grumble. We have to sit so far apart, grumble, grumble, grumble. We have to check in to come to church and sign up, grumble, grumble, grumble. Why us, Lord? Why do we have to do this? Why, why, why? But grumbling doesn't help, does it? Doesn't, it doesn't change anything. 
If I come here and grumble about the restrictions, I will only be miserable instead of looking for the opportunity of God and what he would have to teach us. You see, instead of grumbling, and here's just a microcosm, just an example of when we're regathering and there's these restrictions, but in anything in life, when we, instead of grumbling, we can, we can lean into the restrictions. We can lean into the hardship. We can lean into the situation we're in and look and try to find and see, God, what would you teach me even in this? Take the singing, for example. I was thinking, how do we, how do we worship together without singing? Grumble, grumble, grumble. But God has taught me so much. You see, this is well known. When, when a person loses a, one of their senses, for example, right? Say someone loses their vision or they lose their, their ability to hear or smell or they lose a limb or both limbs. All of a sudden, their other senses start to pick up a little bit, Right? So someone who loses their vision, they, they're hearing, all of a sudden they're paying more attention to it and they're able to start to pick up more things going on around them because they have to. They're not so distracted by just seeing, they, they focus more in on their hearing. The sense is lifted, they, they grow in other areas they wouldn't have even known possible. See, and right now we have this opportunity to grow in some senses that maybe we've been neglecting a little bit longer than we should have. You know, so for, for me, sitting in the pew, it's so easy to, to follow the words on the screen and sing. And praise God, it's a good thing, and I can't wait till we can do it again. But in this time, in this season, just to be able to lean in, God, okay, here's the restriction, just to lean in, Lord, what would you show me? Instead of grumbling, Lord, view my heart, Lord, uh, show me what you would have for me. And just now to be able to, instead of distracted by my own singing, to be able to really focus in on the words of the song and to worship from my heart in a new way. I mean, praise God, praise God. You see, we might have restrictions, but God's glory is never restricted. We may have restrictions, but God's ability to change you and grow you and nurture you and encourage you, that is never restricted. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Because in all things, God has a way to bless you and those around you. To show you something new. To enhance your senses to maybe show sin that you didn't see before, to maybe help you grow in a way you wouldn't have even thought possible. What an opportunity to show love for one another. As we see this virus continue, we, we can still submit to the authorities and we can still show our love for our neighbor and our community and what, a, what an opportunity for us to do these things that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do in the same way before. The reason I chose this passage today is actually because this has been a theme in our home. We, we found grumbling and complaining just creeping up in our house and at the beginning of the year, me and Mandy both said, wow, we just, complaining has to stop. It has to stop. It's deadly. And you know when you see it, right? You see, our eldest son, he starts complaining about something and we're like, oh, we don't like that. Stop complaining. Why are you complaining all the time? And I'm complaining about his complaining and then I wonder where he gets it from, right? And we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, wow, it really does start with us, doesn't it? You see, you think COVID-19 is a bad virus. Watch out for grumbling. 
Grumbling will spread through your home and destroy the joy and the peace in your home. One person starts grumbling and it's like yawning. Everyone else wants to start doing it. Grumbling spreads terribly throughout the home and throughout the church. And we must just kill it. We must just kill it. A disease might hurt our bodies, but grumbling will hurt our souls. It makes us look like the fallen world around us. It makes our homes fall apart. It's like carpenter ants, just slowly tearing down the walls and the roof. Surely destroying everything. I know there's many people that come home from work and they sit in their car they don't, and they just stay in there for a while because they don't want to go in because they know when they get into that door, it's just a, it's a terrible culture and it's not restful and it's not peaceful. And we have to ask ourselves, what, what is the culture that I've co- contributed to in that? Is it, a, is it a place of grumbling and complaining about everything? Have I... Have I led well in that? Have I, have I given in to complaining and grumbling and now I'm bearing the fruit of that in my own home? Listen, it's not too late to change the health and the culture within your own home. Stop grumbling. Instead, Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad in the Lord. Don't be disputing with God about where you are in life. Thank him. Thank him and be glad. Pray to the Lord and ask him to bless you through the trial. Pray to him and ask you to give you wisdom and and how to get through this. Pray to him and ask him to grant you repentance And then ask for forgiveness from your family and for those who you grumble around all the time. And point everyone to Jesus. Look at at the work of Jesus on the cross and how much he has done for us. What do we have to complain about? Change the tone in your own home. It's so easy to grumble, but Christ did not grumble. Christ did not grumble when he went to the cross. He humbly, he sacrificially, lovingly, he endured the cross for us that we may be free, that we would have life, that we would have hope. And this is what you have if you are children of God. You have hope that this life is not it, that God will work these things together for your good. And so finally, we get to the end of my intro to the sermon. And we can look look at these three applications that Paul gives us, what happens to us when we stop grumbling. See, he says, do all things without grumbling, and that means all things, but he specifically gives us three things that happen in our lives if we choose the path of not grumbling. If we choose the path of not grumbling, if we choose the path of blessing, if we choose the path that Jesus Christ took himself. Look at the text. Verse 15, if I'm, if I'm living without grumbling, I will be an active evangelist. You want to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ? You want to see the world transformed and turned upside down? 
You want to see your friends come to know Christ? Start with killing grumbling in your life. Start with killing the grumbling. Verse 15 says this, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, grumbling does not help you shine. In fact, grumbling makes us very dull. It makes us very dull in this twisted and crooked generation. Grumbling does not make us look like children of God. It makes us look like the rest of the world. People expect grumbling. Grumbling is what the world wants. Grumbling is what the world does. When they, don't see, when they see you not grumbling, that's when they see something different. When they see the hope that is within you that causes you to look at situations very differently than they would look at them. That's when we're able to bring the conversation back around to Christ and share the hope that is within us. But it doesn't come from a place of grumbling. We must not take the wide and easy path that leads to destruction. We must take the narrow path that leads to life. To not grumble, to not seek out that moment's hit of endorphins that we get when we grumble and complain. But to seek the narrow road and not grumble. We will see people coming to the Lord around us. You see, this won't happen. Do you wonder? Do you wonder? You say, you know, I, I, I want to evangelize to my friends. I want to, I want to see my family come to Christ. I mean, all of this is the Lord's work. He will save who he will. And we must pray for these things. But it's going to be very difficult to use me or you or any of us if, if we're a constant grumbler and disputer and complainer. So you'll be different in this world. You, you'll be shining lights. And not just this, this cheap, disingenuine, happy all the time kind of person. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about being positive about everything for the sake of positivity. I'm not talking about um, acclaiming your victory in life by positive thinking. Or looking at any terrible situation and saying, yes, if I, just, if I just look at this positively, things will go well for me. That's not what I'm talking about at all. All of that is rubbish. You don't, you don't turn your life around because you become positive all of a sudden. Because Christ gave his life for you, you have a reason to live without grumbling. Big difference there. It's a big difference. It's not that within you, you can be positive and change the course of your life. It's that Christ has already won your salvation. And because of the rock solid foundation you have in Christ, everything looks different now. The perspective has changed. This world is no longer a minefield. It's a mission field of opportunity in Christ. You will see the world different if Christ is undergirding you. You will see the world different and not grumble or dispute with God and the world will see you differently as well. But it's going to be really hard to go out and share the good news of Christ if you're not showing what the good news of Christ has done in your heart already. You'll be an active evangelist if you can just kill grumbling in your heart and in your life. 
You will be shining lights in this world. And I'll tell you, people are attracted to the shining light and the good news of the gospel because the Holy Spirit is out in the world and convicting of sin. And they need to hear the gospel. They need to see the gospel lived out. And that's you. That's us. We can do that together. When someone asks us about hardships in, lot, in our life, we respond with, wow, the Lord has been so gracious to me. I know that whatever happens, God is leading and teaching me, and he's going to use this for his good. I'm excited to see what God will do through this. He's in control. When the bad news comes to say, I just want the Lord to get all the glory out of my life, would you like to hear about Jesus Christ as well? If we've ever wondered why people don't ask us about our faith, it's probably because they've never seen it worked out in us. We must put to death grumbling and live without grumbling. And we will see the Holy Spirit use us for the salvation of many, I pray. Verse 16, if I'm living without grumbling, I will love the Bible. I'll love the Bible. This is the second thing that happens when you stop grumbling. You'll be an active evangelist and you will love the Bible. It says this in verse 16, that you may be blameless and, sorry, start in 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And then it says in 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be, I may be poured that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. See, when you kill grumbling in your life, you will be holding fast to the word of life. And if you hold fast to the word of life, you will only further kill grumbling in your life. How can we be, like, just search your heart, ask yourself this question, how can I, how can I possibly be someone who grumbles and complains and disputes with God when I have the word of God written on my heart. How? Is he not faithful? Is he not always good? Does he not love you? Has he not died for you? Has he not done all of these things for you? What do we have to grumble about? We can only be filled with thanksgiving of who our God is. And when we kill grumbling, if we kill grumbling, we will love the word of God. We will. It says, hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to the word of life. Here's the catch with this, though. I can't guarantee you, I can't guarantee you that if you read your Bible, and if you have the Bible written on your heart, if you've memorized it back to front, that you will be transformed. I can't guarantee you that. The Pharisees knew the Bible back to front, inside and out, very well. And most of them are in hell. We can't just be Bible-thumping, memorizing people. It must transform us through the Spirit of God. You must first believe in Jesus Christ and, and all of a the sudden the, the words on this page no longer just look like words, they're, they're life to you. 
They're life to you. And if, if you're a child of God and the, the words of life are life-giving to you, your life will look a lot like someone who doesn't grumble. We will be blameless, innocent in Christ, children of God without blemishing of Christ. The Holy Spirit will fill you and enlighten your eyes, as it says in Ephesians 1.18. Enlighten your eyes to the word of truth. You will love the word of God. See, the true grumbler struggles with the word of God because they would rather enjoy the momentary fleshly pleasure that we get from complaining. But the one who seeks the word of God, the one who knows the blessing that is in here, puts the grumbling away and runs to the greater blessing and the basking of God's glory in the word of life. Holding fast, church, don't grumble. Church, I beg you, don't be a grumbling people. Lord, help me not to be a grumbling purpose, a person. The the, the word of life has promised us so much that we have nothing to complain about. We must repent of this. We really do. He will forgive. See, there's hope. Have you ever considered, I know I've, I've gone through times in my life where I've struggled to be in the word. Have you ever considered and put those things together that maybe the reason why you struggle to be in the word of God is because we are a people that often grumble and dispute with God? that every other word that comes out of my mouth is grumbling and so I don't run to hold fast to the word of life. Wow, we so desperately need to repent of this sin and, and put grumbling aside because there's so much joy to be found in the pages of scripture, so much that the Lord has for us. Paul leaves us with one more application. If I'm living without grumbling, I will rejoice in suffering. Look at this, verse 17 and 18. It says this. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Look at what we miss out on when we grumble. Look at what we miss out on when we grumble. We miss out on gladness and rejoicing in suffering. Look at 17 again. He says, even if, even if I am to be poured out. What does he mean? He's, he's writing this letter from prison, right? And he doesn't know what tomorrow will bring. Eventually, he will be executed for his faith. And right now, he's writing this, and he has no idea What? He says, even if I'm poured out, even if I'm killed, even if I suffer, even if I work so hard um, that I, I can't feel anymore, even if I'm so tired I can barely continue, even if my friends um, betray me, even if I go through times of trouble and difficulty, he's saying, I will be glad and rejoice. I will not be given to the despair of grumbling. Why would he do this? See, surely those who go through pain and suffering have all the right in the world to grumble, right? No. Listen, don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't do it. It'll rob you of your innocence. It will rob you 
of your joy. It will rob you of your service to the Lord. It will cause you to miss the blessing that can only be received through suffering. Paul's not writing in hyperbole here at all. He's about to be and could have been killed in his imprisonment, but he, he doesn't look at it that way. You see, he's been changed by the gospel. He doesn't look at it that way, right? When he's, when he's sitting down in his cold, damp cell with hardly any food and, and wet clothing, I mean, you'd be like, Paul, just complain a little bit, okay? Right? Just complain about the quality of your stay here in the prison. No, he goes, you know what? If, if I wasn't here right now, I would never have met the guard that's watching my cell. Praise God. Praise God. I would, have, I would have never been able to share my faith with these souls right in front of me. And then he says in, in chapter 1, if you want to flip over there real quick, he says, I want, in, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. You see the attitude difference, the perspective that has changed. No longer does he look at all of his problems, all of the mistreatment to him. He looks out and he says, wow, what an opportunity. Even in my suffering, I can rejoice and be glad because God will work. It's a different perspective. It's a different perspective. God has changed it. I can rejoice in suffering because I know that the Lord can work if we let him, if we don't grumble, if we don't dispute. Think of all the ways that Paul used this, this situation uh, for, for good and how God used it for good. He could have grumbled. He could have he complained, right? But instead he didn't. He saw the opportunity to share the gospel with the, with the guards. He he was able to write and encourage the church in Philippi and, and they saw his faith and the changing work in his heart through the gospel. He was, he was able to um, uh, have this letter spread and it was canonized and is put into our Bible today and then today, now we can read it and be encouraged in our faith because Paul decided almost 2,000 years ago not to grumble. See, the person who chooses the life without grumbling, can bless generations. Just allow the Lord to work through you. Even in your suffering, even in your suffering, choose gladness, choose rejoicing, don't choose grumbling, and allow God to use it. Grumbling would have taken that benefit away from Paul. And, and look at Philippians 4, what does he say later in, in verse 13? He says, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard um, oops, I'm in Colossians, sorry. Uh, Philippians 4.13. He says, in starting in 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Abundance or need, being lifted up and being torn down, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Why? Because he strengthens me. And so if I have much or if I have little, if I am facing hunger or I have plenty, I can rejoice because I know God will use it. And just like us, grumbling wouldn't have changed Paul's fate. It would have only reduced his fruitfulness. It wouldn't have changed his fate. It only reduces his fruitfulness. 
wow complaining, wow grumbling are just awful diseases that we need to kill. And so we all have this decision to make. If you were in Christ, if you're a child of God, will you look like an innocent, blameless child of God without blemish? Or will we look like this twisted and crooked generation? The difference is in your grumbling. The difference is in my grumbling. Church, let, let us look to Christ. Let us look to his example and what he has done for us. Let us be reminded of the truth of the gospel. And we're going to take communion uh, 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 today as well. And, And as we remember the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, and what he did for us, it should cause us to be transformed to the point where we have no reason to complain about anything. We were dead and now we're alive. We were blind, but now we see. All because of his grace. And now our lives are all for his glory. We can be evangelists, we can be Bible-loving rejoicers, but we got to kill grumbling. I pray you do that with me as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that you speak so plainly to us. God, and you speak to the very depths of our hearts, Lord. I know, God, I, I confess, and I've been confessing this week to you, Lord, that I grumble too often, Lord. Kill this within me, Lord. Lord, kill this, this, this fleshly attitude that I can have to complain and grumble and dispute with you, Lord. Lord, fill me with thanksgiving. Lord, fill us with thanksgiving. Fill us with a perspective to see opportunity, God. Allow us to lean into suffering and restrictions and, and, and things, God, that we feel are unfair, Lord, so that we can see how you will work. Lord, help us. Lord, help us be shining lights in this dark world. Lord, help us hold fast to the word of life, O God, and let us always rejoice and be glad, for you are good and you have saved us. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.